What is going on, guys, and welcome in to the Blake Pace Podcast. It is May 23rd. It is a Wednesday. We've got NBA playoffs. We've got some new rules in the NFL. Um, we've got the scorching hot Yankees. Uh, it's a good day. I hope you all are getting through the week. Um, you know, we're in that turning point, looking towards Friday and the weekend. I uh, want to thank you all. For coming in and listening to me again this episode uh this is episode number five of the blake pace podcast i you know i've been really appreciating the support i can't continue to say that enough how much i appreciate everyone coming in listening to the show um you know letting me know how it's going you know giving me some advice i'm excited where this thing is going i'm excited where we're going and uh yeah let's not waste any time let's get into things so episode number five that means this podcast is all dedicated uh towards the great Hall of Fame future quarterback, Blake Bortles. I can't believe I said that. No, no. Uh, you know, this episode is in spite of Blake Bortles. Um, if you've listened to me all year um, on my other shows, um, make sure to also listen out to those. Uh, you know, Courtside Take is my NBA talk podcast um, for Pure Sports Network. Um, and then for the uh, them as well, I'm on their NFL podcast, uh, Gold to Go podcast. Um, and if you've heard me talk about the NFL at all, um, my, <laughs> my favorite team or, uh, my favorite team to watch in the NFL is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they have the best roster in football. I think they're the most talented team, but they have Blake Bortles as court at quarterback, you know, former number three overall pick of the draft. Um, and he's, you know, my least favorite quarterback in the NFL. I would take any other starter in the NFL over him. I would take several backups in the NFL uh, over him. Um, it was funny. I sent out my poll on Twitter to see um, who everyone's, you know, all the voters' favorite number five was, um, like I usually do before this show. And uh, it, there was a tie um, for the winner, the guy I'm about to talk about. But there was all he tied uh, with. The option, anyone but Blake Bortles. So I'm glad to see that uh, people understand my um, displeasure with that Jacksonville's, Jacksonville quarterback. Um, you know, I, I you know think with an average starting quarterback in the NFL or below average even, um, that Jacksonville team would have been in the Super Bowl and uh, against the Eagles. You know, who knows how that would have played out. But, you know, I bash on Blake Bortles enough. I want to talk about my actual number five. Uh, and that is the uh, retired 41-year-old quarterback, Donovan Jamal McNabb of the um, Philadelphia Eagles. And more specifically, I'm going to uh, say that I'm I'm going to roll with one of his later years, just like I did with Brett Favre, um, because, you know, that was my peak of, you know, really enjoying the NFL. Um, I'd like to say the early 2000s, I was a fan of football, but, you know, I was still pretty young, didn't really understand the game that much. And then we got into the end of his career. I got to understand things a little bit better. So I'm actually going with uh, his last season with the Philadelphia Eagles um, at age 33. That is the 2009 season. The Eagles went 10-4 and four that year. Um, he completed 60.3% of his passes. Um, up there is one of his highest uh, throughout his career. I believe that it's second highest or third highest. Uh, my apologies. He threw for uh, over 3,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, uh, 10 interceptions, and yeah, I, I just, you know, Donovan McNabb is one of those guys I just liked watching growing up, you know, while I was still trying to figure out what teams to root for, you know, I thought Philly was a pretty cool situation. Um, what they had there with the whole dream team scenario back in the day and how that fell flat on its face. Um, yeah, the, you know, Donovan McNabb is a great talent. 
unfortunately, like Brett Favre, I talked about um, on episode uh, number four. Make sure to check that out if you haven't listened to that as well. Um, you know, these these quarterbacks kind of just want to play uh, until they're in their grave. And, you know, they, you know, get banged up. Um, and you saw that kind of at the end of both of their careers, Brett Favre and Donovan McNabb. You know, Donovan McNabb in his final season uh, only started six games, went one in five, uh, you know, got four touchdowns but two interceptions um so you know not the the best ending for these quarterbacks you know some of them you know like Peyton Manning they get to walk off into the sunset with a Super Bowl win Tom Brady I imagine will walk off in into the super set in, into the super set into the sunset um I think you know unfortunately guys like Favre and Donovan McNabb they try and play too long um and you know their careers don't end necessarily the way that they should um, given all that they did throughout their careers. So that is my number five and uh, just a few others we have. Of course, you have to throw in Jason Kidd, um, you know, the 10-time All-Star uh, champion with the Dallas Mavericks, six-time NLBA, um, you know, was an all-rookie 1994-1995, was rookie of the year as well that year, played until he was uh, 39, actually finished his um, playing career with uh, that New York Knicks team that was the second seed in the playoffs. Um, you know, I don't like to remind myself of when the Knicks do well and then fail, but I guess, uh, doing well is better than recent days, but you know, Jason Kidd had a great career. Um, (laughs) I'm not the biggest fan of him as a coach, but you know, he definitely did some great things. Um, five-time assist champ led the league in assists five different times. Um, career average of almost nine assists a game. Um, you know, let's see, he was a career um, 40% shooter, um, shot 35% from the field, um, never was really the biggest scorer, 12.6 points a game, the highest uh, average he ever got in his career was 18.7 back in 2002-2003 um, with the Nets, um, and then another guy that I don't like, um, but people got pretty upset that I didn't give him as a, list him as an option, and that was uh, Kevin Garnett. Um, when he wore number five for the Boston Celtics. Um, and, you know, it's it's nothing against Kevin Garnett. I just hate Boston sports. Um, you know, I am you know grew up in New York, big Yankees, big Knicks fan. And so I'm, I'm just taught to despise Boston sports. And I'm not saying that, you know, Kevin Garnett wasn't one of the all-time greats. I just don't want to give him the light of day because I watched him, you know, beat the crap out of my Knicks whenever he got the chance. Um, and, yeah, so... <laughs> I guess I mentioned him. So, you know, if you're a big Boston guy, if you were upset that I didn't list him as one of the all-time great number fives, um, of course, he did wear 21 with Minnesota for a while um, and then wore number two with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. But, um, you know, a career double-double guy, uh, almost 18 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, shot 50% from the field, uh, effective field goal percentage of 50.1%. Yeah, I mean the big ticket was a it was was a dominant player. Um, the 2003-2004 MVP, no one can forget that. Um, nine-time All NBA, uh, 15-time All Star. I just don't like to give um, attention to Boston athletes because I despise them beating my teams when they do, and I you know I, I value the rivalry that much. So uh, that'll wrap it up for our uh, player profiles for episode number five. Um, shout out to Jason Kidd. Donovan McNabb, and uh, Kevin Garnett, I hate you. So I wanted to start uh, our topics off today talking about some baseball. And not that there were any, you know, major headlines in the league over the, you know, recent days, but I haven't gotten a chance to talk about my New York Yankees, um, who are on fire uh, this season. 
sitting at 31 and 14 in Aaron Boone's first season um, as manager for the Yankees. Uh, currently second place in the AL East. Um, they held first on for a while, held the best record in the MLB for a while, but a loss last night to the Rangers pushed them back just a little. Um, they've got 268 runs on the season, which is unbelievable. Um, and you know, yeah, I just kind of want to talk about this roster because I mean, they're on the verge of something special right now. Um, and it even starts with some of the young guys that they've brought up this uh, year, Glaber Torres, um, you know, hitting 330 um, in 26 games, uh, seven home runs, 19 RBIs. I mean, the guy is, you know, sixth on the team in home runs. Um, and that says a lot when he's got seven. You've got, you know, Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez both have 12. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton has 11 now. Didi Gregorius is up to 10. And uh, Tyler Austin, who hasn't, um, you know, went through that suspension with Boston earlier, he has eight. Um, so Glaber Torres, you know, putting himself up there against, you know, with some of these great guys and in RBIs as well, he is sixth. Um, yeah, and then uh, Miguel Andwar, uh, third baseman, five home runs, 17 RBIs. He's hitting 285. Um, you know, our our top two hitters are some of these young guys. Anwar's played more games, of course. He's played 38 this season. Um, age 20, he's 23 years old. Labor Torres is 21 years old. You know, the, the Yankees have what could grow into being one of the best infields of all time. And I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating that. I, I look at the age of these guys and I look at the potential that's there. I look at Didi Gregorius, who, in my opinion, is one of the top five shortstops in the league. Um, he's in a bit of a slump right now. Um, but, you know, he had one of the more brilliant starts to the season in baseball. Um, he was leading the league in home runs at one point. He ended last year as one of the hottest shortstops in baseball. Um, he's made the transition from Derek Jeter to Didi Gregorius seem you know, not as painful as most would think it would be after losing an all-time great at the position. Um, and then you've got, you know, you've got right now Greg Bird, who's on the DL. And yes, Greg Bird has been a pain in the ass for the Yankees. He has, you know, really been unable to stay healthy. Um, but he is also 25 years old. He's a great hitter. Um, you know, I think that if he can get things right, um, they'll be fine at first base. And, you know, for now they have Tyler Austin as well, who, you know, is having a great season himself. He, you know, has only, he's played in 28 games, but he has eight home runs, 23 RBIs. You know, he's not hitting that great 238, but you know, that's not terrible. And, um, you know, he is also only just, you know, 26 years old. So, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure where I'm going with this segment. I just wanted to kind of talk through the Yankees and what I'm feeling they got going on right now. Um, you know, if I have a main concern with the Yankees, it's that bullpen. Um, and it's, it's a little scary, uh, when you look at, um, how their, uh, relievers are doing, um, you know, it starts with Dylan Batances, um, and his 4.74 ERA, um, David Robertson, who I thought would have been, you know, he had a great season last year for the Yankees. He has a 4.22 ERA, Chase and Shreve, 318. Um, Domingo German, uh, 5.59, Tommy Canely, who is currently on the DL 6.14. I'm a little worried about that bullpen. And it used, it, it was a strength last year. If, if you were a Yankee starting pitcher and you got through five innings and you, the Yankees had the lead, you know, you were almost guaranteed a win. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case this year. I kind of, you know, am hoping that our starters go seven innings. I know it's early on in the year, but I don't trust the bullpen. Um, so, you know, I have a little... 
a few concerns um, with the bullpen, but then you look at the uh, starting rotation, and you know you've got an ace. You've got Luis Severino, seven and one on the year, a two three five ERA. Um, he's got one complete game, one shutout on the year. Uh, he has seventy six strikeouts, which leads the team. Um, you know, my only concern is finding the number two, um, because they have several guys who I think should be number two, um, starters on this team. Um, Masahiro Tanaka is, you know, essentially the guy that I think of as the number two, but he also has a four, nine, five ERA this season and a five and two record. Um, you know, he's, you know, not really that strikeout kind of guy. He does have 50 on the year, but he kind of, he likes to work around his pitchers, you know, get them to pop, uh, pop out or, you know, ground out. Um, but you know, it hasn't been the best start for his, for him this year. Um, and he is, you know, 29 years old. He spent a few years with the Yankees. You expect him to, you know, improve. And we haven't really seen that yet. And then, you know, possibly the biggest disappointment in the starting rotation is Sonny Gray, who two years ago, I believe was third place in the AL East voting for Cy Young. Um, we bring him in last year. Things weren't looking great, but he was a serviceable starter. And now, you know, in nine games, he has a three and three record, um, and a five, four, eight ERA. Um, only 37 strikeouts. That's, you know, third behind, um, Severino and Tanaka, but you know, what we've gotten out of him, he just seems rattled. He will have, you know, one good game and then, you know, blow the next three and then he'll get his one good game. But what people aren't realizing is that those good games are against one of the worst teams. You know, people were saying, oh, Sonny Gray is back the other week. He pitched a brilliant game, but it was against the Kansas city Royals, one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. So, um, you kind of have to rely on right now a CC Sabathia to be your number two, but I don't really want to trust my 37 year old to be the guy behind Luis Severino. I guess, you know, he's got playoff experience. He's got that championship pedigree. Um, and right now, you know, he, he's having a decent season. He's two and one on the year, a two, four ERA. He's, you know, appeared in eight games, um, you know, 33 strikeouts. I just, you know, I would like to feel more comfortable about him being, our, you know, third starter or our fourth. Um, and I would really hope that uh, Tanaka and Gray can kind of get things rolling because, you know, we did give up, you know, for Sonny Gray, um, a nice outfielding prospect. Of course, where would that prospect have fit in our outfield? Um, you know, there's there's essentially no room even on the bench for him. But what we've gotten from Gray is kind of just a, a big headache right now. And I'd like to see things turn around for him because I do think he has a lot of potential. He's wanted to play in New York um, his career. You know, he's they've got that baby picture of him wearing a Yankees hat. Um, I'm a little I'm, I'm just worried about the pitching staff and I hope things get turned around. Um, of course, jo uh, Jordan Montgomery, um, who should be our number five starter currently on the 10 day DL, um, you know, I'd like to see him uh, get back in the lineup soon, get healthy because he is two and zero in the year. Um, you know he does have a three six two ERA, which is still you know third best. Um, it's actually uh, yeah third best of the uh, starters behind uh, Sabathia and Luis Severino. You know he started six games, twenty three strikeouts. Um, hoping for a healthy return from him. And now I want to get you know to the outfield because <laughs> I mean this is a remarkable situation for the Yankees. Um, of course. You've got Aaron Judge in the outfield, uh, in right field. He's hitting 281 this year. He's got 36 RBIs, 12 home runs. Um, Aaron Hicks, you've got in center. He has five home runs, 19 RBIs, uh, on base percentage of 350. 
hitting around 250. He was in a little bit of a slump, but has picked things up recently. And then, um, you know, you have Brett Gardner in left field, who also is, you know, started the season a little slow. He's 34 years old. He's getting up there in age. He is the oldest um, starter, uh, everyday starter for the team. Um, you know, hitting 227. On base percentage still pretty nice, though, 354. Um, but then, you you know, you look at the guys that they have who can come up. Um, and you've got Clint Frazier. Uh, this is one of my favorite guys and, you know, a guy that I would essentially like to see take over for Brett Gardner. Um, maybe I want to move Aaron Hicks to left and put um, Clint Frazier in center. Um, you know, he's a 6'1", 190 guy. He has one of the quickest swings in baseball that I have ever seen. I mean, that man whips around the baseball bat like nothing. Um, of course, you know, I'm extremely happy that he got through his whole migraine issues. Um, concussion concerns in spring training you know, limited him for being on the 40-man roster for a while, but he is, you know, on the 40-man roster, or uh, he was assigned recently, but, um, you know, I expect him to kind of, you know, travel with the team on certain trips, um, you know, get sent down to the minors for a little, um, depending on, you know, pitching and, you know, who they're up against, but he's a guy that I think is also just 23 years old, and, you know, you have so much potential for the, the, that's surrounding the youth core of this team. Um, and if you get some young guys in there who can, you know, do what they're doing and be, you know, one of the best teams in baseball, how can that not be attractive for free agents? Um, I understand, you know, this isn't the way the Yankees are used to being constructed. Um, they're used to spending their money. Um, but this is really the first time that, you know, you look at all these guys that I mentioned and, you know, yes, we, we traded for, um, Didi Gregorius, and yes, we traded for um, Giancarlo Stanton, who I didn't even get to talk about because he's only going to improve as the season goes along. He plays better in warmer weather, um, stuff like that. He, you know, had a little bit of a slump to start the year, but he's already back up to 263, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs, um, slugging percentage 514. Um, you know, things are only going to continue to get better for him. But beside for those guys, and, you know, um, I guess in the pitching rotation, you look at uh, Sonny Gray. Besides that, you know, this is a homegrown team. Um, you know, Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, Miguel Anwar, uh, Aaron Hicks, Aaron Judge. <clears throat> uh, you know, you, you signed Masahiro Tanaka from overseas, but then you've got uh, Batances, you've got Luis Severino. Um, there's just so many guys on this team that are, you know, worked through the system. Um, and, you know, it, it's exciting as a Yankees fan uh, to really see you know, the same success that you're used to, but in a different way. And it, it feels, you know, you're more proud of a Yankees team that does well um, because of the fact that they all went through the system. They were all Yankees guys from day one. And, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't really have a necessary take or direction that I'm going with this uh, Yankees talk. I just kind of wanted to give my thoughts on the roster, the team throughout this point of the season. Um, to me, this this team has World Series expectations. Um, and I think that they can easily live up to that. Of course, it is such a long season um, and, you know, it'll take a while and, you know, there'll be some ups and downs, but um, anything short of a World Series appearance, in my opinion, um, maybe an ALCS with Boston, I expect that to happen as well. Um, this team has all the potential in the world and, um, you know, we won't talk too much baseball through the summer, I guess we'll get more into the postseason um, and discuss baseball then, but I just wanted to, you know, give takes on my team, the Yankees, and then, you know, 
maybe when we get close to the trade deadline or the all-star break we'll talk some more stuff about the second half of mlb but uh yeah that'll wrap it up for my yankees talk today so now uh switching paces a little the nfl did something today uh like i said it is may 23rd uh, a wednesday um and you know they've just opened up you know so much trouble for themselves um throughout the you know recent years they've made a lot of decisions i think that um contradict uh what this podcast stands for um you know this is a player's podcast i support all of the players um rights and what they deserve as athletes um sacrificing their bodies every day and the nfl did something today that you know just continues to go against that even more so um for those of you who haven't heard yet uh you know, Roger Goodell released a statement um, earlier today uh, discussing the national anthem. Um, uh, you know, policy statement number one, all team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show respect for the flag and the national anthem. Um, personnel who choose not to stand for the anthem may stay in the locker room or in a similar location off the field until after the anthem has been performed. Um Clubs will be fined by the NFL if its personnel are on the field and do not stand or show respect for the flag and the anthem. Um, Each club may develop its own work rules consistent with the principles regarding its personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flags and the anthem. Um, And the last statement here is the commissioner will impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. This has been an ongoing issue over the last several seasons. And the NFL really hasn't done anything to improve on it. Um, and of course, you know, last year, the the protests you saw um, more plentiful, uh, more teams, you know, were unifying themselves um, in kneeling for the national anthem, sitting down, uh, not paying attention, all those sorts of things. Um, and this is the NFL, you know, really trying to force something on them that I don't believe is uh, right as human beings. Um I believe that, you know, these players can stand up for what they believe in. And, you know, there is a, a, a don't get me started on the social inequality throughout this nation. Um, you know, I don't stand for it. I don't think anyone should stand for it. I don't know how you can tell me that, you know, something like this isn't going on where we see it in national headlines every day of the year. Um, there are some extreme issues in this country, and I believe that to be one of them. And, you know, for the NFL to say that, you know, they're going to fine teams who don't stand for the anthem, um, I think that you're just silencing the voice of your company. I mean, you know, the NFL is a business, um, and it is run like so, and I believe that, you know, the majority of your organization are, you know, African-American males, and, you know, People who do not believe that um, they are being treated as equal throughout the country, um, throughout the world. And this is them just doing a peaceful protest of that. And I don't I don't see how you can tell them that they have to, you know, stay off the field for the national anthem, that they have to remove themselves from the national anthem. Um, so that way, in a sense, their protests and their notions against the national anthem and what this country has been doing over the past few years um, is silenced. You're silencing the voice of your people. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, it's already come out. A lot of NFL players are, you know, the players union is going to fight against this notion. Um, there was talks that the NFL was thinking about imposing a 15 yard penalty, um, which, you know, I'm glad they didn't do that at least because then it pits, you know, players in locker rooms against each other. Um, because some people who will, you know, want to stand for the flag, 
they will um, be upset with those who don't because now, you know, they have to start with a 15-yard penalty to begin their game. I just think that the NFL continues to make incorrect decisions um, and they don't have a proactive, um, you know, forward-thinking mind at commissioner. You look at Adam Silver in the NBA and the NBA is given a platform to speak on more than their game. Um, you know, it, it started a couple of years ago at the ESPYs when LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, and uh, forgive me for not remembering the fourth name that was up there. Um, you know, those four guys getting together and saying, hey, you know, we do not stand for this. We need to do better as a nation to unify ourselves. And, um, it's you know, the athletes have a lot of say in this world. You know, you look at, you know, even some of the smaller NFL players in this league, you know, the lesser towns, thousands of followers on social media. They have such a huge platform to speak on what's wrong with this nation. And now we've just got a greedy owner who's noticing, you know, people don't, you know, approve of what is going on. And now he's taking away the voice of his people. He's running this organization very poorly. And I think that he needs to take a look at Adam Silver in the NBA. And realize that the NBA is one of the fastest growing um, sports in the world. And it's because of, you know, their social platform. And, you know, they're letting their players speak. They're not limiting um, their players onto what they can say or do. And the NFL is going to continue to move back in time. You know, they're going to regress. They continue to regress. And they, they, they can't move forward um, with, with, you know, stuff like this. With, you know, limiting the rights of their players, their, their members of their organization. And I just, you know, I I can't say, I I can't stand for it. And I know I'm not going to be one of those guys that, you know, leaves watching the NFL over this. I will still watch the NFL, but I can't say that, you know, I I look at each, you know, professional organization. I I'm like, Oh, the NFL. Yeah. That's a, that's a, you know, well-run organization. And I think highly of those in charge of it, um, you know, if I'm, I, I can't stand Roger Goodell for several reasons, but this has to be the, the, the biggest one. I don't, I just, I, you're limiting the speak of, you know, the guys that make that money for you. Um, you know, the NFL owners, are, you know, have come out and said, you know, the players should be grateful for playing in this league. This league wouldn't exist without the players. Um, and it wouldn't, you know, be making them so rich. You know, these, these owners wouldn't have all the money in their pockets if it weren't for these NFL players sacrificing their bodies. And because they want to speak up on social injustices, because they have such a big platform that many do not, you are telling them to shut up. You're trying to silence them. And, you know, this will only continue to move America in the wrong direction. So, um, you know, I just wanted to give my takes on this, you know, new policy statement. I hope the players union can come at this hard and strong and get rid of this. I believe that the players should be able to peacefully protest um, on the sidelines and that, you know, the NFL should realize that, you know, as a nation, we are moving forward and them doing stuff like this is only pushing us further into the past and we will never be able to succeed as a nation if we continue to move backward. Moving on to a more lighter subject now, and uh, this one, we're going back to the NBA. Um, One of the biggest things that I think is important as a journalist, as a reporter, broadcaster, whatever, is to self-scout yourself and uh, come out and admit when you were wrong about something. And I uh, have to admit, on Monday, um, when I called out the Rockets' character and the moral, I, you know, I expected them in games four and five to kind of just uh, slump back, 
not care about the series, not put in the effort, and kind of just let Golden State steamroll them. And I have to admit, I was wrong. Golden State came out last night, and despite being down 12-0 to start the game, ended up with the win. Um, it was a close one at the end, one, definitely one of the best games we've had of this, you know, Eastern or Western Conference Finals. Um, and, you know, I, I was wrong about the Rockets. Now, I will say, I'm, I still believe Golden State will win this series. I had originally picked them to win in five. You know, now I believe it'll happen in six. But, you know, nonetheless, um, I, 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 you know, was completely wrong about this Rockets team, at least for a game. Um, you know, because, you know, they could easily just fold away um, in game uh, five or six um, and, you know, turn into what I thought they were. But I just thought that I had to admit that I definitely was a little wrong uh, discussing you know, uh, this Rockets team, I challenged their character, their, uh, commitment to the game. When the going gets tough, I said that they just get going. Um, and that definitely wasn't the case. They showed up, um, and you know, it, you know, it kind of takes the best game from the Rockets and, you know, the worst from the Warriors for the Rockets to win. And you definitely got that when the Rockets were, weren't able to score even 15 points in the final quarter. But, um, you know, credit, you know, I got to give credit to Houston for pulling out a tough win on the road, um, they did a great job in Game Four. Um, Chris Paul came up clutch late. Uh, James Harden as well had a good game, and you know it's crazy that you know they performed. You know, goal, uh, Houston played one of their better games, but you know they were almost one shot away from you know it being sent into overtime and then losing the game. So um, I'm still sticking with my pick. I do believe that Golden State will win. Um, of course, now it just has to go to six games. Um, so I was wrong about that and I was, you know, wrong about the character of Houston, uh, for the time being. And, you know, now they get to go home with, you know, basically a, a new series, a three game series at this point. And who knows, you know, if they get hot at home and, you know, they take that, um, three, two lead golden state's really going to have to fight back. And, um, you know, looking at the warriors, it, it fell apart in the fourth quarter, of course, Clay Thompson getting hurt earlier in the game was not helpful. He did not shoot well from the field once he came back. Of course, they're missing Andre Iguodala, um, who is still questionable for Game 5. You know, it, a lot went wrong for Golden State. And Houston was able to snag a three-point win. Um, you know, I don't expect that to happen again. Um, I think that if Golden State has, you know, even a slightly better game, of course, you know, I, I expect them to win. Um but I do have to admit that I was wrong about the Houston Rockets. And then looking into the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, tonight we have uh, Boston um, hosting Cleveland for Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals, with that series also tied at 2. Um, you know, both home teams are undefeated. Uh, do I expect Boston to uh, win this game tonight? No, I do not. Um, I expect, you know, the first home team to lose of this series. I think that Cleveland is just rolling right now, and two games at home will do that for you. Um, of course, you know, you had to travel, you know, you get the smaller travel time, um, than you did between games two and three earlier in the week. Um, but I do believe that, you know, the role players, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, George Hill, they got things rolling at home and, um, you know, the, the Celtics just kind of hit a wall essentially. Um, you know, they, they weren't, uh, you know, hitting their shots. They weren't shooting well from three. Um, you know, this entire series, I think they're only shooting 32% from three, which, you know, that's not going to beat LeBron James and his Cavaliers team um, every day. Uh, so, you know, I'm still sticking with that one. I think Cleveland, you know, has things rolling. I believe them to take uh, game five later tonight, and I expect them 
then to uh, reach the finals in Game 6. But hats off to Boston for a remarkable season. They have, you know, in my eyes, the brightest future in the NBA. Um, you know, aside from the Golden State Warriors, they're kind of just living in the present. Um, and as long as things stay right for them, they, of course, you know, will build, continue to build that dynasty. But if you're looking across the league, I don't think you can have a better situation um, than Boston does with, you know, what, who will eventually be the best coach in the NBA and Brad Stevens. Um, you know, I still would take Pop over him, but Pop eventually will be out of this league. He's getting up there in age. Um, and then they've got, you know, a bunch of great role players, um, a bunch of great young guys, and a bunch of great uh, guys that Brad Stevens gets the most out of. And then they're missing their two stars. Um, if Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving were in this series, I would have picked Boston to move on to the finals. Um, just with how much of a mess this uh, Cleveland team looks, of course, that is not the way that we had it. We don't have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Um, the Celtics do not have their best two players. But what they've been able to do is remarkable, and I think their future is the brightest. So hats off to them. But I'm still rolling with Cleveland in six. And with all that said, that'll wrap it up for episode five of the Blake Pace podcast. Yeah, a little bit... Uh, Shorter of a show today, but I'll make sure to make up for that on Friday. We'll have a bunch to talk about then, um, you know, talking about games five for the, you know, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Um, I'll get more into my plan as we approach the NFL regular season. There's some great stuff that I've planned um, for that. Um, you know, you like always, you can follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Um, you can email me at BlakeAndrewPace at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, things you want me to talk about. Um you know, keep watching out for everything that I'm doing, all the writing that I'm putting out. Um, you can check me out at, at Stampede Blue for SB Nation. Um, of course, sports editor for The Breeze, um, writer for uh, Pure Sports Network. You can check out my other two podcasts um, on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, that is the Gold to Go podcast um, with Connor McCarthy and Courtside Take uh, with Kevin Haswell. But um, for today, that'll wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on Friday.